Circle of Birth podcast, reclaiming our birth potential with ancient wisdom and stories from birth and beyond, sharing the rich spectrum of family diversity and transformation, stories worldwide bringing together community and connectivity. Come together with story medicine and inspire at our unique birth journeys. We breathe, we birth, we become. Hello and welcome, episode 49. And I think it's been over a month since I last got the chance to do some production and get a podcast out. Uh, But this one is very, very important and very dear to my heart. So to all the people listening and that are providing feedback, I really appreciate it. And as long as I can get these podcasts out, matters so the timing might be a bit askew but they're coming and I've got a whole new inspiration for this again and there might be some more time in my life where I can keep producing so stay tuned hang in there this uh, episode um, I couldn't refuse and I've really made some special time to do this it's from the newly formed home birth consortium Australia an amazing group advocating for midwives and continuity and I will say mainly midwives in private practice. So for those listeners in Australia that would understand what the system's like, we have a dying breed of amazing people that offer a really genuine and true form of continuity of care. So this group is newly formed and it's made up of representatives from local home birth groups around Australia and on the 5th of May there will be a Mothers for Midwives March Australia-wide. So this is a collection of three people. The first will be Amy Singh, who we've done a podcast before in episode 44, so check that episode out too. She is one of the co-founders, so she'll talk about what to expect, where the locations are, and also make sure you just check in on the blog show notes for the links to where you can be in Australia. And our next speaker would be Grace after Amy, Grace Sweeney. She represents Melbourne Home Birth Association. She does fantastic work. Please check out Melbourne Home Birth Association. Please listen to her And also Virginia Maddock, who has been steadfast and had a long stand in this support and this work. She is amazing and comes from a real deep need to support the mother and to obviously to support the midwife supporting the mother. She's done some great work too. So have a listen, enjoy. Please share this around, share it on your feeds, your posts. This is a great way to see what to expect and how you can support and the ongoing support too. So the important thing is that it's a crucial time now that we are aware of what's happening. We know what's happening. It's time now to make and shift some changes. So attending this rally, if you can make it, is a great first step for continuity for midwives. Hi, Amy. Thank you for joining us for this little podcast special series. Um, Amy, you're one of the co-founders, I believe, of the Home Birth Consortium Australia. Yeah, I am. Thanks, Ali, for having me on. I'm really glad to be sharing the information about the consortium and also um, talking about the march a little bit. Yeah, I just want to say too that I'm in complete awe of you this morning. We've been trying to organise time to chat and I don't, I'm trying to alleviate from the word busy in people's lives and say that 
you seem like such a creative, full person that has the opportunity to do all these amazing projects and um, still do the most important mothering job. So I take my hat off to you because I know you've got an ABA uh, counselling session um, for a few hours in the morning after this. So thank you just for slotting me into and having this chance to talk. No problem. Thanks so much, Ali. It's, it's something that's really dear to my heart and I'm really passionate about it. So it's easy to talk about and yeah, it's really important to to get the information out there. But I apologise if my children scream in the background because they are sort of occupying themselves. Yeah, we just said that's good effect though, good sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> so why is it dear to your heart? Tell me. Um, well, if you you have heard, but if the listeners have heard my, um, my birth story, I had a home birth caesarean, which um, was a caesarean prior to labour. And then I had a home birth after caesarean um, with my son. And both of those births were with the same midwife. And so I had continuity of care, not just in my pregnancy and my birth, but also between those two births. And I felt that that continuity of care was so vital and so important to not only my birth experience, but also my mental and emotional well-being throughout the process. Um, and so my home birth cesarean, I really didn't feel like that was an overly traumatic birth. It obviously was the opposite of what I had planned, but it wasn't traumatic in that I felt supported and held and I had all of the information and I made conscious and informed and educated decisions throughout that process and it really eased me into my motherhood journey. And then I got to celebrate a home birth after cesarean with the same midwife um, with my son's birth. And so, yeah, I'm I just feel that that continuity of care, particularly with a midwife that, you know, they don't just spend 15 minutes with you in a hospital appointment. They spend an hour and a half, two hours with you um, talking about your everything, really. Like we we talked about the pregnancy and, and my wishes for birth, but we also talked about everything in between, what was going on in my life and how how everything was factoring in. And my midwife was even here helping me catch a cat at one point out of my garage. So it, it just was a friendship that developed and something that was so rich and, and so important to me. And so that's how I got onto the home birth advocacy route because I feel like everyone should have that continuity of care, not not just women who are lucky enough and wealthy enough to afford a privately practicing midwife. Yeah, such a good point too to talk about what is continuity and this will be great at the um, event next weekend is that some may believe continuity is like clinical continuity or one stream of thought but it's such a holistic way to be with a woman um, emotionally, physically and, you know, through birth, death, life, um, this is the role that a midwife can play if they were given their full scope of practice. Imagine if a midwife was allowed to practice in her full scope of what she could achieve. She can catch cats in garage. She could probably climb trees and play with your kids and, you know, you can have a cup of tea with her. You can do so many things. Like it's, it, And this is bonding. This is relationship building. And I, one of the things I want to talk about 
you know, on Saturday too, is the importance of having these people in your community because they're always known as the midwife and their role in the community is such that they know intimately this family. And so usually families will have more children, more children. And if they can access the same person or people during their family development, what would that look like onto a community to have that spread out, that nurturing, that love, that connectivity? Um, What would that spread out to in a society and a community? I think that's what we really need to talk about is in continuity of care. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even just the effects on the mother and then the mother being able to mother her children and being a pivotal point within that family unit, that in itself is so important and so rich and and something that filters out into the community very easily as well. Uh, a well-supported mother, an emotionally stable and and physically well and happy mother is much more able and capable of caring for her newborn than one who is, um, you know, distressed, reeling from the effects of birth trauma or post-traumatic stress disorder. So, yeah, yeah it's so yeah. important, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And and to just focusing on continuity as well and, you know, not it doesn't have to be a home birth if a mother doesn't want that. She can have continuity mm-hmm. in a different space and that should be accessible too. And, again, you're exactly right. What would the journey look like for a mother when she is well supported in her autonomy and her choices and where she wants to birth and have her pregnancy care um, accounted for? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I guess one of the things that we do talk about next weekend too is like the restrictions that private practising midwives are facing is really um, distorting the word continuity and it's it's really making it something that, um, you know, is holding a lot of judgment around what a private practicing midwife does or is. And that's flowing on, I believe, into the system too, um, for those sort of practices into there and how those midwives are acting. So I think, you know, what about the midwives that are in the hospital system? You know, what about their thoughts too? And I just think this is a great time to sort of collaborate and get those those thoughts and ideas together. So both type of midwives are supporting each other, whatever in the scope of practice that they do. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, it's vitally important that that midwives are feeling supported and held as well so that they can then support mothers. Yeah, yeah. And what what is happening now, and if you want to just elaborate, um, so you're representing Sydney, um, just want to list out, you know, the issues that you're going to talk about. But basically these issues are what are driving apart midwives in and out of, well, not out of the city, you know, in in these different realms of practice. It's driving apart um, the practice and the scope of practice and I guess the love that, you know, midwifery holds in what the practice is for. So if you just want to talk about the Sydney event, um, what time, where it is and what you're sort of covering. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we are meeting at 11am at um, 680 George Street, which is outside the Australian Health Health Practitioner Regulation Agency office. Um, And and this is on the 5th of May. So this coming Saturday, not this Saturday, next Saturday, um, just a week and one day away now. Um, And um, 
Yeah, so we'll be meeting on the 5th of May, which is um, next Saturday, a week and one day away now. And we'll be meeting at 11am outside the APRA office, which is at 680 George Street, Sydney. And I can talk about um, the overall overarching themes of the reason that we're marching, but um, the Sydney-based march has a number of different speakers. It's actually really exciting because we've had so many people, so many midwives and consumers interested um, and, and also doulas, birth workers, and potentially also some politicians, um, which has been fantastic. So our... One of our first speakers will be Erin Quinn, and she is a home birth after two cesarean mum and also a doula, and she'll be talking about human rights and humanity in birth. Um, we also have Jo Hunter, my beautiful midwife, um, and she'll be talking about the reporting of privately practising midwives, which she has just finished her honours thesis for. Um, we have Helena Mooney, who is a um, MGP midwife, and she'll be talking about the evidence of supporting midwife-led care and why midwife-led care is so important. Um, then we've got Cheryl Sidery, who uh, is a privately practising midwife, and she'll be talking about how the two-midwife rule affects privately practising midwives and home birth. We have Virginia Maddock from Home Birth Access Sydney, so she's um, the assistant president or assistant coordinator of Home Birth Access Sydney. She's also a co-founder of the Home Birth Consortium Australia. And I believe you'll be speaking to her soon as well. Yes. And um, yeah, and she's also a doula and placenta encapsulator. And she'll be talking about consumer advocacy since 2009 and also the Home Birth Consortium Australia. And then we have Melanie Jackson, who is from Midwives at Sydney and Beyond. She's a privately practising midwife. She's going to talk about professional indemnity insurance. Amantha McGuinness, who is um, part of Home Birth Australia, will be providing the Home Birth Australia position statement and just explaining, yeah, their position on all of this. We have Rachel Meredith, who is from with Woman Midwifery Care, and she's a privately practising midwife who will be talking about um, collaboration and collaborative agreements with general practitioners and obstetricians, other health professionals. Uh, Pat Brody, who is a professor of midwifery, and she'll be talking about women and midwives, four decades of working for change. And then Elizabeth Trevan will be emceeing the event for us. Um, and so, yeah, we have a really exciting lineup of speakers and very passionate, informed, knowledgeable women who are willing to share information and stories. And so, I'm absolutely so looking forward to to being there and participating and watching it all unfold because, yeah, it's been a lot of work to get to this point, but I'm so excited to see it come together and and watch what it can do. What a good lineup of speakers that you have. That sounds amazing. And what 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 personally and um, I guess universally it might be the word. What what are you hoping personally to um, achieve from the rally and then I guess in the wider scope what are you wanting to see happen after absolutely so um personally what I want is um that sense of community to to be boosted um all of the morale of of all of those people who have been advocating for home birth for so many years I just want to see that all come back out and come back together because it's it's been 
a really long road for a lot of people and they're finding it, you know, it's pretty exhausting to still be fighting for the same things after almost 10 years or even longer really. But the mother of all rallies um, was almost 10 years ago and and still we're fighting for the exact same things. Um, and, and personally I also want for my midwife to feel supported and held by her all of her clients, all of the home birth consumers and the birth workers, I want her to feel that, you know, she's important and we really value her and we want her to stick around and keep practicing because without that, we don't have the option of home birth. So they're my personal objectives. Um, The more professional, I suppose, objectives or overarching things are all part of um, what the HCA sort of set out in in media releases and everything. So um, the main overarching thing that we want to address is the professional indemnity insurance issue. So there's currently an exemption for um, the birth part of a woman's care with regard to professional indemnity insurance, and that's been extended three times since September 2009, which was when all of these exemptions started because of the mother of all rallies. Um, but it is going to expire on the 31st of December 2019. And essentially, if a solution isn't brought up before that time and and maybe even an exemption, but we don't really want an exemption, we want a solution. We've been fighting for this for almost 10 years. We need something that's solid that is going to pr- protect home birth and privately practicing midwifery. And also, it's really important that that midwives do have the ability to feel safe within their profession. Um, If they don't have insurance for the birth part of a woman's care, they are uninsured. Their homes, their livelihood, their family, all of their inheritance, it's all up for grabs if if something were to go wrong. And so this is something that really is really important for midwives to continue practising. The fact they do continue practising without it, boggles my mind and I'm so grateful they do, but they are really at risk at the moment. So, um, yeah, that's that's our main objective. But then on top of that, we have a few other aspects we want to address. So we want to um, remove the requirement from the safety and quality guidelines for privately practising midwives for two midwives to be at every home birth. And the reason for that is because when we need not just one but two privately practising midwives, the ability or the option for home birth becomes a lot more inaccessible. Um, it's difficult and like you were saying, you're going to be talking about this, it's really difficult when we have a limited pool of midwives and lots of women who want to home birth. And then on top of that, we need to find not just one, but two midwives. And then sometimes women halfway through their care or towards the end of their pregnancy, the second midwife is unable to cover them and they're frantically scrambling to find another midwife that can attend them during their birth so that they can continue with their plan of having a home birth. And so... Yeah, and not to mention this is such a space that the woman has to allow this person into when it's such a new person to allow into a birth space and all the energetic things on top of that. Um, How does a woman feel about this other person that they don't really know that well coming into the space? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really, really important aspect. And I know that with my birth, I didn't want a great number of people there. And 
and my husband didn't want a great number of people there either. And we were happy with just having Joe and our doula. Um, and that was enough, but to have, you know, an extra body and, and all of the extra relationship building that has to go on top of that, um, is, yeah, it's an issue that really needs to be addressed. And, there are. There was some talk. Um, the Australian College of Midwives supports the two midwife rule. However, they are in support of changing the requirements so that other health professionals can attend the birth. It doesn't just have to be another a second midwife. And so that, or um, that midwives from hospitals would be able to attend. Yeah, as that's well. a good point. And making it more, you know, since this has come in. Um what people need to know is the actual price for, again, for having a private midwife has gone up. So, cause they have to pay this other person too. So, um, if somehow this could be a thing where it still could build continuity, but it could be funded for by, um, you know, somehow funded for, um, just to soften that cost again for families. Cause again, it's, this cost should not be just available to upper middle class families or to people that have to put themselves in a lot of debt, which I personally had to, to afford to have this experience that I wanted. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, and it was also this, this issue or the guidelines were actually brought in without the appropriate transparency and consultation with consumers. So um, the NMBA brought it in. They said that there was con- community consultation and that they made that decision based on consultation with consumers and stakeholders, yet none of that actually has been transparent. We can't find any record of that. Um, and so it's something that, you know, we really do need to address and, yeah, it needs to it needs to be sort of fleshed out and and made apparent um, the issues with it, but then also, you know, some solutions that can go hand in hand with that. Yeah. And what about what do you feel too about the um, requirement for private practising midwives to have to collaborate with obstetricians or general practitioners? So meaning um, if you want a private practicing midwife, you have to go through sometimes quite a shaming process of a obstetrician or a GP. A lot of GPs are supportive, but sometimes, um, and I personally had that experience that I was kind of shamed into my choice, but the form was signed. Absolutely. So this is a major issue and we're finding um, Home Birth Access Sydney has actually been doing a bit of research around that um, with regards to how many women have been denied a referral from a general practitioner. And this is the thing, like, you know, the midwives are expected to collaborate and they have to get a written collaborative agreement in order to be able to serve women, yet the GPs or obstetricians um, don't actually have to collaborate. All they have to do is sign a piece of paper and they don't actually that that piece of paper doesn't necessarily um, mean that you know they're supportive of home birth. It just means, or or that they're supportive of midwives. It just means that they're happy to give a referral um, at that point, and and they're not even giving the referral for the home birth part of the the woman's care. It's just for antenatal and postnatal care. So. Um, yeah, we're finding a lot of women are being told that, no, I won't give you that. You're endangering your, your life or your baby's life. And I can't, I can't sign that because, you know, they essentially just shame 
the woman into feeling that she is potentially making the wrong choice. And yeah, I suppose we're really fortunate that the vast majority of home birth women are so well educated and so strong in their decision that they'll just keep looking for a doctor, but it's not okay that they have to do that. Yeah, that's right. Because again, you know, there's always the shame and you tend to carry it. And then I guess that's why it's great that a lot of the home birth community has a voice to speak up for this. And this is why it's great that next weekend's happening because it is us that need to speak up about these things that are going on. And you're exactly right. The private practicing midwives um, usually, and I talked to Grace um, yesterday about transferring and that whole process around that. Um, imagine the world when transferring was a collaborative agreement too, um, not just one-sided where usually um, a lot of the obstetricians in the hospital system aren't interested in what the private practising midwife has to say upon transfer, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. That's where the safety comes into it. I mean, if you can transfer with your with your privately practising midwife who knows all about you and has supported you throughout your pregnancy and that part of your birth and then transfers with you and still knows all of that information, that's where you have the most safety. If she can be your primary care provider with the help of an obstetrician in a hospital if needed, then, you know, that's just absolutely fantastic care. Yeah. So, Yes, that is. Uh, yeah, and that's that's a great point to talk about too. Like this rally is not about this versus this or this is how it should be. It's really genuinely trying to form collaborative agreements between all these people and these systems because it, there's no point in ostracising ourselves. Um, we want to connect and communicate and be a part of this and draw upon knowledge of each other because it just makes sense to work that way in a synonymous agreement where the mother is safe. If the mother's safe and she knows that her GP is on board and knows that her private practising midwife is on board and they both talk to each other, then she feels safe because she feels safe knowing that if something needs to happen and she gets transferred, not that... It's something that's gone wrong or she's failed, which is what happens. You know, she thinks she's failed and then the system saved her and, you know, she never went there, her life would have been in danger. That's usually what they get. You know, this is what happens. We saved you. If she knew that she had this collaborative agreement between both people and then upon transfer they were like, oh, this is so great, you know, that you were looked after and that you came in at the right time and we'll help you and we'll all work together you know, what would the outcome for that mother? When we go back to outcomes for a mother that births safely and feels supported, that outcome leeches onto her community, her mothering, everything. So it just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. totally does. Yeah. And, so, you know, we see yeah. we see these models providing, you know, midwife-led care, studies that show midwife-led care provides better outcomes for mothers and babies and, you know, birth, planned birth at home or a birth centre provides better outcomes for mothers and babies and yet it's not actually backed up within the legislation or the regulation. So, yeah, it's absolutely something we need to to pursue and focus on. Yeah, for sure. And just to wrap it up, do you hope to, as a community um, or the Home Birth Consortium, want to talk to anyone from the APRA offices during during or after this rally? Absolutely. 
we want to speak to whoever is willing to speak with us, really. Um, we, we have potential solutions that we would like to propose for these issues. And, yeah, we, we really want to be able to reach those people and speak with them and, and make sure that our voices are being heard. Um, and before we do um, switch off, I did want to say as well that there is the other aspects of um, the rally that we are trying to address, which are the uh, the reporting of midwives, which is happening um, increasingly, particularly by hospital staff. It's very rarely by the mother herself because they are often, you know, absolutely um, so happy with their midwife's care and also the auditing that is currently being undertaken, um, which is, you know, that that audit is on for every privately practising midwife, but that is not a requirement for any other health professional. And so, yeah, yeah it's unfair and time-consuming for midwives who are already dedicating so much to the women that they serve. Yeah, exactly right. And Grace and I spoke about that uh, when we recorded and talked about uh, you know, how huge these audits are. Like this is like weeks worth of work, not just, you know, yeah. fill out a paper. It's like, you know, a few hundred pages, I think, um, Hannah Darlin's was. And, you know, that's why. <laughs> yeah, it's just ludicrous really. It really yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Amy, thank you. I'm And, again, I'm in awe of the work that you're doing and what you've formed here, um, you and everyone else. So this is going to be amazing and I really look forward to hearing how it went in Sydney and all over Australia. Um, and I'm looking forward to being there myself. So, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Ali. And I'm looking forward to hearing how – well, hearing you speak. If you're recording it, I'll get to actually hear you speak as well. So yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, so I've tried to see if you can do any recording. Um, but, yeah, I'll be recording. Um, so I'll put together something after it and share it with the world. It would be great. Amazing. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. Grace, thank you so much for just popping in and having a little chat with the Circle of Birth. Uh, Grace, you're a mum, which is the most important. Um, you're the new coordinator, is that right, for Home Birth Australia? Yeah, as of yeah. a couple of weeks ago. As of a couple of weeks ago. Well done. And Melbourne Home Birth Association. So what a great person to talk to right now. Um, what we're going to talk about is the 5th of May, uh, there'll be an event in all the major cities outside Australian, the outside the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency offices, and that is by Home Birth Consortium Australian, and that's in collaboration with Home Birth Consumers. And um, I will explain the rest uh, after that. But yeah, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be chatting to you after hearing your podcast for so long. Yeah, great. Yeah. And how are you feeling leading up to the 5th um, of May? What's what's going on and is there is there a lot of momentum happening and Yeah, it's a, it's a busy time. I think I'm I'm feeling a little overwhelmed as you do in the lead up to all of these events. There's a a lot to do, a lot to organize, it's still to be done, but um it always seems to come together at the 11th hour. So I've I'm trusting that process will happen. Yeah. And so in your own journey, what was what brought you here to where you are now? What, was there a one just snapping moment or was it a gentle lead up? Can you kind of give us an idea of your journey and how you got into the roles that you're doing now to support this work? 
um, I suppose in a nutshell, I'm here because I I love the work that uh, home birth midwives do um, for women, and I think it is transformational, empowering. I think it's unlike anything I've ever experienced before, and um, so I'm here because I want to protect that as best I can. Um, I I've always been interested in home birth. Um, when I was in high school, I considered uh, becoming a midwife myself among, you know, a range of other options and ultimately decided to go into construction instead. Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you want to be a home birth midwife in high school? Oh, yeah, yeah wow, yeah. And so what do you know what as a high school student, because that's I would say that was quite rare for people our age to even think of home birth in high school, is there any anything you can think of that? No, I've... I've, I've searched myself for this a lot because I don't know where it came from. Um, the best guess I have is that I'm a New Zealander and my aunt had a home birth for one uh, of my kids. Yeah. So I think that just normalized uh, home birth for me. And I think in my teens I came across it and it just made perfect sense. Yeah. And, you know, as a, as a feminist, as a bit of a, a rebel, it, it seemed like a really good way to own my own body. So I thought it was quite exciting. That's just such an amazing reflection on the New Zealand system. Um, we talk about that a lot, especially me yeah. as a student midwife, that I just reflect on that system and especially after talking to Maggie Banks at the Home Birth Conference in 2017, it, it just, I mean, you having that experience, that is just the reflection on how that system works, especially think- for the matriarchal society too. Yeah, it just, it, it, it normalises home birth, birth, um, midwives, all kinds of female strength in a way that the Australian system seems determined to tear down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We could learn a lot from the system there. That's for sure. That's good. And do you have a, a many contacts in New Zealand still that you live in Australia that, um, not, you... not outside my family. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I retain an interest in the goings on in the birth scene there, but, um, that's more just from a inspirational look at look at how good it could be yeah 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 for sure and and look at the possibilities like it is possible you know and it does work (laughs) their system isn't without fault it's um Mm. huge pressure at the moment because of um essentially they haven't indexed the funding appropriately in the past 10 years so 10 years ago a midwife might need to take on 50 clients sorry 40 clients a year to make ends meet and now she needs to take on 55 say um, and that's an unsustainable workload. Um, but in my mind, that's a funding issue. Um, and ho- I'm hopeful that their budget, which is due out in May, will rectify some of those issues. Yeah. And what sort of influence does having, I'm not sure of her name, I'm sorry, but the female prime minister and considering yeah. that she's pregnant as well, do you know what sort of birth that she's looking to have or what sort of midwifery uh, care? Or I've... Um, I've, I've, I've been sniffing out um, that information, but it, I haven't seen it in the blogosphere. Um, I think afterwards we might see a shift because um, I, I look at her and she looks a very career-focused woman um, and she might have one particular view of birth. And then I wonder what her experience will be like after she's gone through that, that, that rite of passage, that transformation, and if she might then think differently about, you know, midwives and funding and the like so it'd be very interesting yeah for sure it'd be it'd be a great one to watch and to develop and uh what an amazing thing to see a female prime minister 
pregnant. So you know. I'm so yeah. proud. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So with yourself and organising this rally, which is just mammoth, like it's Australia-wide, we've got to remember, um, what are some of the issues in this rally that really is dear to your heart that you want to sort of talk about? Well, so this rally is essentially about us as a group of consumers, a group of mums. I hate the word consumers, but it's ubiquitous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are the home birth community um, and our midwives are in an endangered species right now. So if we, the home birth community, want to have home birth midwives going forward, it's on us to to, to do our activism for them, to protect them, to go into bat for the gov- against the government in an attempt to try to remove some of these onerous restrictions on their practice. So the I suppose the key issues for the, the rally and the associated petition um, that's circulating at the same time of this, we're talking about insurance um, for our midwives, which has been a long-running issue. Um, we're talking about getting rid of the second midwife requirement. So a couple of years ago, uh, NIMBA brought in a new requirement that there must now be two midwives at a home birth, um, which has effectively decimated home birth, particularly in regional areas, because it's hard enough to get one midwife in these areas, let alone two. Um, and this was all done without consumer consultation. They, they ran a process, but it was effectively a sham. Um, we are talking about uh, removing the collaboration requirements that mean a midwife has to get permission from a GP or an OB in order to uh, work with a woman. We're talking about um, we're stuff about the audit that happened last year that took up, you know, a week of each midwife's time effectively proving that they were safe in a way that no other um, health professional has been subjected to. And we want to see a um, inquiry into the what we know is happening in terms of vexatious reporting of midwives to APRA. In a way, it's kind of like the consumers are going in um, to protest our midwives' working conditions because our midwives can't. Mm. And the issue there too of uh, the reporting that's not, it's the media and the sort of outsourcing is making it look like it's the actual consumers that are doing the reporting, whereas in the system is where most of it's happening during transfers and things like that. Yeah, um, a, a midwife who transfers a client to hospital is at huge uh, risk herself. Even if she has dotted all the I's, uh, crossed all the T's, she runs a huge risk of being reported. It's not safe for the woman if mm. the the midwife who she's chosen, who's walked with her on this journey, um, if, if they as a pair have gone into the hospital because a transfer has been needed and to have her midwife, her support system, you know, be cut off at the knees, that's how can she get good care from that hospital team? She wouldn't be feeling safe. Yeah, exactly. And that's for the, that would stretch out to the whole family too. And um, it's the aftercare too, when they're sort of telling them, oh, well, we saved your life and, you know, da, 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 da. It's the whole yep. language that's associated around it. Whereas, uh, you know, you could see a shift in policy where there could be a shared collaboration where all the private practising midwives, you know, notes and records can be shared and um, they can have that agreement where, but whereas she's still, you know, her main midwife. But on, on that transfer that everything's there, it's accessible um, and, you know, there's that collaboration. It just seems unbelievable that that's not there. Uh, I just think 
in my perfect world, you know, there would be mutual respect from the the home birth midwife and the hospital, respecting each other as professionals um, and respecting the midwife's professional judgment in transferring her client. Um, And that should flow both ways instead of this inherent suspicion. Yeah, and it certainly goes against the whole do no harm, um, (laughs) you know, with the medical model. Um, sure does. Yeah, for the, the, the sort of flow-on effect. And that's just just one of the things that you're standing for in the auditing too. That's, uh, like you said, it's been a week out of the midwife's work. It's an absolute humongous process for them um, emotionally as well. Um, yeah, because um, um, it's important to remember that our midwives are self-employed. So for them to essentially be spending 40 hours of work time on a senseless audit uh, in addition to all the resources required to put this together I think the one I saw from Hannah Darlin was 200 pages long uh, multiply that out by the midwives around Australia sorry the home birth midwives around Australia that's a huge administrative burden mm. of right. which yeah. there was no need yeah yeah exactly and w- what we need to sort of say too is that no one else in the health professional if, if they're in the hospital system, has to do this. No other midwife um, has no to do midwife. an audit like this unless indicated for a certain event or something like that, but not a midwife yearly audit. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no nurses have to do this. No no physios have to do this. No, no um, psychologists have had to do this. It is purely targeted at midwives and private practice. Yeah, yeah. So this is where the event is the 5th of May – and what? where will you be at Melbourne? Yeah, so 5th of May, it's International Day of the Midwife. What better to celebrate our midwives than going into protest for them? Um, I'll be at the rally in Melbourne, which is outside APRA's um, office in the city. Sure. And is there anyone that you could mention that you know of that's speaking or what well, people can expect when they turn up? Using that list at the moment. I'm hopeful that by the time this podcast goes up, that will be on the webpage. Okay, great. So, best place for people to go to is the Facebook. It's, it's the Facebook page, yes. Yeah, so, Home Birth Consortium Australia, if you look that up. Um, all the events are listed, like Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, Canberra. Um, where else? Where else? Are we? Uh, uh, Tasmania. Tasmania, yeah. WA? Is there one in Perth? No, there isn't one in WA and I don't think the Adelaide one is going ahead. Okay, um, yeah. But all up the eastern seaboard. Sure, excellent. I'd just, I'd really like to encourage people to come. Um, yes. We, yeah. As a birth community, we are really good at doing our activism online. We're great at putting together uh, interesting graphics that highlight statistics, at sharing our stories Um and we've done a great job over the past couple of years of raising people's awareness of normal birth um, and of the, the birth culture in Australia and of home birth as an option. But what we need right now, it, we need to move beyond awareness raising and we need to move to political action. So I'd encourage everyone, if, if you're anywhere near any of the protest locations, please come. Bring your friends, bring your family, bring your children. Um in order for the work that we're doing to resonate politically, we need bodies. The activism can't remain online. Beautiful. Well said. And I think too uh, for people to what to expect, it's going to be a really informative event. It's not going to be like 
um, crazy mothers just screaming with placards and <laughs> it's actually exactly. that we've got speakers lined up. It's going to be exactly. actually a great source of information. So even if you're interested in, in home birth and don't know what that means or looks like, um, come to the event and meet some midwives. And it's a good way to loop into your home birth community as well. Um, if, if you don't know too many other people who've chosen a home birth, come along, um, meet some other home birth families, um, meet your tribe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, great way to connect with other people and, um, yeah, looking forward to it myself. I think for me, I've, I've been thinking about this and I think the way we need to make this sustainable is to get everyone looped into a group in their community yeah. Because if we only see each other once a year at a conference, you know, somewhere else, then yeah. the work isn't relevant. But we've got um, the Melbourne Home Birth Association down here. Geelong have just started up their own home birth association. There's groups in Sydney, um, Queensland. There's, there's these little just communities popping up everywhere. Yeah. And I'm really excited about it. Um, it's like little home birth churches. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so you can get you know, people looped into groups like that. It, yeah. It's not just about doing work. It's about an expression of, you know, I love birth, but I also love, you know, this community of women that I see on a regular basis and this activism is part of what we do as part of our love for each other. So Yeah, yeah that's for sure. Thank you very much, Grace. I appreciate your time and, um, yeah, look forward to maybe having another chat with you at some point. Thank you. I'd like oh. that. <laughs> All right. Welcome, Virginia. Thank you so much. It's actually a really good honour to talk to you. Um, I've known you like off air. I don't know how to say it. I've known you like through social media and through the channels for quite a while and I've been really intrigued about you. So it's great to talk to you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I'm the one that's honoured that's, you know, to be able to talk to you as well because I've really loved listening to the podcast. Usually when I go and pick up a placenta or something <laughs> I'll um, pop on the podcast and yeah it's been really good thank you for oh. offering this to women yeah great thank you <laughs> so uh 5th of May uh you'll be there for this rally um yep. with bells on with bells on <laughs> um I've talked to Grace and Amy and you'll be at Sydney as well which will be great what has brought you here in this in this heart space to do this work and to be an advocate for for uh, midwives and private practicing midwives, women, birth, you name it? Well, I guess that goes back to when I started training as a doula. So I did my doula training in 2006 with Birthing Rights Australia in Bondi Junction. And at the time, Home Birth Access Sydney were running monthly groups for midwives and consumers. And the midwife would get up and talk on a certain topic like water birth or siblings at birth or something like that. And so I used to go along to those talks to learn more about birth and, and hopefully pick up a client. <laughs> um, what, so, sorry, what brought you to do the doula training? Uh, well, I was actually newly graduated after studying nutrition following my herbal medicine uh, course. So I was actually looking for a clinic to start practicing in and I answered it a job ad on my um, college website, uh, you know, for clinic spaces and it just so happened to be at Birthing Rights Australia and it was sharing a clinic space with an acupuncturist who specialised in pregnant women and I just felt drawn to work with pregnant women and babies and children and when I showed up and, you know, had a look at the clinic space and then I had to kind of be interviewed by um, 
Marie Burroughs, who was the principal of the college, and she said, oh, yeah, we do antenatal courses here and we do doula training. And I said, what's a doula? And as soon as she told me what a doula was, it was like a light switch went, light switch went off in my head and I just went, yes, that's what I have to do next. And so I, timed, I signed up for the very next course um, but there was actually no other doulas doing it. So I was kind of sitting in on the previous year's doula um, trainees who were doing their childbirth education course. So for the first kind of term of that course, I was just sitting in with them. And then there was another couple of doulas came in the following uh, term. And so, yeah, then I just became a doula. So that was three years before I had my first child. Wow, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I love the light bulb thing and it's like this is the path I'm meant to be on. And (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was a real calling. Mm. And so then, yeah, so then I started going along to these Home Birth Access Sydney meetings and it was just a no-brainer that I was going to have a home birth when I finally had my first. So, um, yeah, so after I had my first baby, which was in 2009, um, I kind of, as quickly as possible, I ended up being a volunteer for Home Birth Access Sydney after they advertised for the memberships coordinator position. So that was my first role within HAS. And then, you know, I ended up doing editing for Birthings Magazine for um, two and a quarter years and then became the coordinator or president and then eventually kind of stepped back a little bit to be vice president and I organised the events and stuff as well. So, yeah, so I have my fingers in a lot of pies. And um, But, yeah, 2009 was when um, there was a lot of changes in the regulation and um, so that was when APRA kind of came into effect, the Australian Health Health Practitioner Regulation Agency, um, which was the new kind of umbrella organisation which was to cover all the different registered health professionals. And so part of the legal requirement for all health professionals was to get professional indemnity insurance. But the home birth midwives didn't have um, professional indemnity insurance since 2001. So that was going to be, you know, basically make home birth midwifery illegal. So then there came the big um, mother of all rallies, which happened in September of 2009 in Canberra outside Parliament House. So there was about 3,000 of us go down there and, you know, make a big rally in the pouring rain. And apparently it was, you know, one of the biggest feminist protests in Australian history, like, you know, for decades anyway. Wow, I didn't know that. I remember Jo in her podcast talked about that quite a lot, um, but I didn't know that. Yeah. And the submissions that were sent to the um, inquiry or whatever it was, um, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but apparently that was like, like, record breaking of how many submissions were actually sent in to actually um you know um protest against what was about to happen yeah so that's just a good indication to show what capacity we have um when we want to stand up for something dear and true yeah it's amazing so it was nicola roxon who was the health um 
minister at the time. And then, yeah, shortly afterwards, or it might have even been like right before, I can't remember, but then she ended up bringing in the exemption for midwives to require the, the prof- professional indemnity insurance for the birth. And then the government brought in insurance that would allow them to be insured for antenatal appointments and postnatal appointments. But it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, why do you need insurance for that? You know, it's not a high risk for a midwife to, you know, just attend an antenatal visit, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not the birth? Yeah. 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 So, right. And then, so during that journey, so 2009 and into where you are, so you've just really done a good adversarial role, um, not just for private practicing midwives, but continuity of care, your doula work, um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So what on the 5th of May are you going to speak about when you stand up? So I'm just going to basically give everyone a rundown of the history of the different regulation changes and how we've come to be where we are at the moment. So there's a you know there's a few other things that have happened since then. So you know the exemption for the professional indemnity insurance has been extended three times. The next deadline for that to end is um, I think December 31st 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So each time that uh, deadline approaches like around the you know nine to ten months mark previously when women are actually getting pregnant there's a big panic from women wondering if they're going to be able to hire a midwife that is legally able to attend them and there's a panic for the midwives because they don't know if they are able to, to attend them so you know they're yeah, there becomes this kind of panic where we need to know what's going to happen that far ahead of time. And that's a big thing. You know, the whole uh, scope around private practising midwives and this continuity model is to ensure that the women feels safe. So, you know, I wouldn't feel safe knowing that um, what would be happening to my midwife at that time. So it's it's a big thing. It's not... Um, yeah, it's a big something hanging around their heads that would really affect their pregnancy and their birth outcome, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those few uh, jobs where you actually have to know exactly what you're doing in the next nine months. Yeah, yeah, It's exactly. not like you can just suddenly say, I'm going to go on holiday next month. You know, it's just so sad to see midwives dropping off like flies. You know, with the home birth conference last year, someone was talking about, you know, the figure of how many midwives were in this year and then the next year it dropped to this number. <clears throat> They're actually really a dying breed and it's really sad to see because it's it's sad from the midwives' point of view because that's their their calling and that's their their career and what they love. And it's sad for the, the women because we're having less choices and it's pushing up the free birth rate. Yeah, yeah. And it's sad for, I know, few fellow students in my class as a student midwife um, that would really like to experience working with women in home birth and um, becoming becoming private practicing midwives but even for me it just looks really bleak and long and (laughs) not a journey that you know what is it five thousand hours and um, you don't get any apprenticeship time so you pretty much five thousand hours in the hospital um, yeah. Well, this is exactly 
this is one of the reasons why I didn't go on to study midwifery. My my plan a few years ago was that when my youngest started kindergarten, which was last year, that I would, you know, hopefully have the time to go and actually study midwifery and then go straight into private practice like my own midwife did. But, you know, with all these legislation changes and all the red tape and all the vexatious reporting, that it's just heartbreaking to see that. And I just know, I, you know, I can't do that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because, and I, you know, yeah. you, you spend all this this time and money studying and then you don't even know if you can do it in the end because then you're forced to work in the hospital system which you know turns a lot of midwives off yeah and there's just so many amazing people like you that have said the exact same thing so there's less and less midwives coming through the system Um, yeah 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 if that makes sense with that you know that true intent to serve the woman and to spread that through the you know the the healthcare system yeah yeah, yeah. and so personally and professionally so you're co-creator of um, the home birth consortium yeah with amy um again amazing job you guys have done so thank you so much so personally what do you hope to see come after this rally and professionally um, too do you, do you want me to talk about why it was started? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, go. Yeah, so um, in one of our Home Birth Access City commi- uh, committee meetings, we were just, you know, talking about, you know, all the stuff that was going on and how there didn't seem to be a lot of unified consumer voices to really fight this stuff for the midwives because the midwives have, have – I've heard them say quite a bit – the change needs to come from the women, you know, like nobody's listening to the midwives. They're actually, you know, home birth midwives, they're only, you know, a couple of hundred Australia-wide, if that. And, you know, they need to be supported by the consumers who it directly affects. So um, back in, I think it was 2011, um, for the home birth conference, it must have been the one in Newcastle because I was pregnant at the time, um, during the AGM in the lunch break, we ended up having like a meeting of, you know, what do we do? And so the idea was born back then and um, something similar was put together, which was actually called the Australian Home Birth Consortium. And so it was representatives from home birth groups around Australia um, to actually come together and, you know, do some action plans to to fight for change. And so we did have like monthly teleconference meetings. Unfortunately, back then it lasted a few months before it kind of imploded due to political infighting, which was really sad. And so nothing happened like that for years, you know. And then when I was talking to my other volunteers in Home Birth Access Sydney, I said, well, this is what happened – you know, back six or so, seven years ago, I said, why don't we do something like that again? So, yeah, then I, I um, kind of collaborated with Amy and Grace and said, let's do this. So then I set up the group and we kind of started adding people who we thought would be good, you know, consumer and midwife voices to come together, discuss um, what we can do um as a unified voice to try and fight for change. Yeah, great. And with that unified voice, 
is there any um, preference to try and get little spots? You know, home birth access Sydney is amazing and it would be great to see little pockets of, um, you know, regional and city-based um, similar um, groups around Australia to come together. Yeah. Is that the the idea of Home Birth Consortium to encourage this to happen locally in each person's area? Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. Like, I guess the idea was to actually get representative um, people from existing groups. Yeah, sure. But it does yeah, seem to be like yeah a lack of um, real strong consumer advocacy around Australia. I think, you know, people are really doing their best in um, the little areas they're in, but everyone's like a lone voice and we really need to come come together because, you know, we're stronger together. Yeah, exactly, um, yeah. So um, I was instrumental in organising a, a protest rally outside the Australian Midwife, uh, Australian College of Midwives AGM a few years ago. That was in 20... When was that? That was 2011 because my son was only three weeks old at the time um, because they'd put out this draft home birth position statement which was really restrictive. And um, so I was trying to think of something that we could do kind of similar um, to just support the midwives and actually um, fight for change so that they're not so over-regulated um, so then uh, we thought, how about we do something on International Midwives Day um, and really show the consumers and the mothers and the families that it's us that are supporting them to, you know, fight for them to have better working conditions because that trickles down to how, how supported we are in choosing home birth. But, yeah, there's, you know, you have people like Amy and Grace who are these rare gems that you know just you know see a problem and just want to be the one to make the change you know and we need more we're not sorry we need more women and consumers that are like that you know yeah and and you too you've been at it for a long time and I must say that it's just amazing the steadfast work that you've done to put yourself here and um, for me to be talking to you about this stuff it's you know um, again, like we're all in this together and it's just amazing that what you guys have done um, in a collaboration to, to get it to here because we need to get off, you know, the keyboards and into the, into the streets or into talking to each other because that's where our voice needs to be when we actually come together. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just makes a big difference when the, all those women are get w- women are gathered men, women, families, um, the energy around that is different, the information sharing and, yeah, it's it, it'll be great if people can just rock up. It's really informative. I've got a friend that's coming that's her first baby's due soon. She's going to have a home birth and she just wants to be there. Even if you're just interested about home birth or what it is or want to meet some great midwives and women, um, it's a community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, look, you know, you look at Home Birth Group Australia group on Facebook and, you know, you've got over 5,000 members in there and you just think, like, if every one of those members, you know, showed up to one of these rallies, how much power would we have, you know? 
For sure, yeah. And on that group, it's such a great community, supportive, and we know we've got it. Well, the great thing about the rally is that it's on a Saturday. So come on, people, you don't have an excuse for work. <laughs> Get there on a, on the Saturday, you know, yeah. and let's let's show the government you know, how powerful we are as women. Yeah, for sure. And can I've asked Amy, but do you want to just reiterate the time and um, where it will be on Saturday? Uh, yeah, so it's at 11 o'clock at your local APRA office. So it's at 680 George Street in the city. Yeah. yeah. And um, also following the rally in Sydney is the Home Birth Access Sydney um, AGM which is going to be at Ultimo Community Community Centre. Ah, great. Yeah. Okay. As well. Didn't know that. Thanks for sharing that. So people might yeah. be interested after the rally coming to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, fantastic. so go up and, um, you know, bring your advocate hat on and your consumer hat and, you know, come and volunteer for Home Birth Access Sydney. There's always work to be done. Yeah, and the magazine's gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that magazine holds a special play to my, place in my heart, seeing yeah. as though I edited, I think it was nine issues uh, I did. Yeah. But I've been assistant editor since then. And is there any chance of it coming back to print? Look, we really need a sponsor. So if there's yeah. anyone out there that has a business that would like to sponsor the printing um, and or the postage, we would love to bring it back because there's just nothing like holding a physical magazine in your hand. Yeah, for sure. I print I print out the PDFs now. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, because we've found that since moving to PDF, not as yeah. many people are reading it. No. You know, because you can kind of find out um, how many people kind of click on it. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's much less than we would like. like and, you yeah. know, Amy puts in so much time and um, the designer, Claire, which I think she's just stepped down, so we're actually would be needing to find another designer. Um, but so many hours of work goes into it I remember when I did it and my youngest was really young he was yeah like I was doing it when he was a newborn and you know prior to and post that time and I would be up till up to one o'clock in the morning with a baby on my boob or asleep in my lap so it's a real like yeah, wow it's real yeah. heartfelt work yeah for sure it is a so big we don't want to see it um, disappear. disappear. Yeah, especially the women sharing the stories. I think that's some of the most powerful stuff in the magazine. And you don't have to live in Sydney to either to sign up to Home Birth Access. No, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the there's not much content in the magazine that is localised. It's, yeah, we, we accept stories from all around Australia. So. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So how much um, investment if a sponsor was interested, would be upfronting for printing costs? Do you rough idea? Um, from memory, it was about $1,200 a quarter. Yeah, okay. And the postage was, I think, around the $300 mark. Cool. So, say, $1,500 investment per quarter, if not yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. It's doable. And, um, Anyone I mean, is interested. Thing, yes, please. <laughs> yeah. um, the great thing about Home Birth Access Sydney is, is that it's it's very um, supportive of the midwives, but it's also supported by the midwives. So the midwives actually sign up their clients um, to be a member at half the price that we, we charge people. 
So, you know, as as part of the kind of reciprocal arrangement of advertising them, they actually spend $20 per client to sign them up and then they're sent a magazine as part of that. So that's how it's always been done in the past, but, you know, things might change um, in the near future because of, um, you know, not being able to afford to print anymore. Yeah. Um, I would love also, to. Yeah, just memberships yeah. dropping in general. general. Yeah, so it would be great to change it to Home Birth Access Australia, wouldn't it, and just have a beautiful glossy <laughs> magazine delivered as a subscription Australia-wide to all the thousands and thousands of people would be amazing. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. be great. You know, you'd see it in like supermarkets, you know, where all those other <laughs> pregnancy magazines are. I'd be right there. Awesome. <laughs> I've got high hopes for it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think our capt- captive audience is that large, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. It will be one day, I'm sure of it. <laughs> all right, Virginia, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time spent today, Saturday morning. Uh, doing this (laughs) did this episode tickle your heart move and rattle you in its wisdom I hope you resonated with the show please head over to the website circleofbirth.com for show notes including my personalised take on the episode pictures, resources and how you can connect with a storyteller Sign up to the newsletter and most importantly, please help this show grow to its full potential of serving you in its ancient wisdom. Donations made easy via PayPal. All donations will be received with love. Head to circleofbirth.com donate. And yes, I'd love an iTunes rating. This has been another episode of the Birth Share Project. We breathe, we birth, we become. We honour you and empower you.